Christmas Eve from Psalm 8. So let's pray together. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, when we look at your heavens, Lord, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And Lord Jesus, as we come to your word tonight, we want to hear about you. We want to see you. We want to worship you. So Lord, please protect this time. Protect our ears. May they hear what is true. May our minds be focused on you. Lord, we come to Christmas Eve very rarely at a nice, easy pace. The world is full of chaos. It seems kind of like it was when you were born. And Lord, so we need to remember that you, O Lord, our Lord, are majestic. And your name is majestic above all the earth. So let us hear it tonight in your word. Let us hear you speak. We give you thanks for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you are able and to read, or maybe you can use your smartphone, I want you to get a Bible and open it up to the Gospel of Matthew tonight. Matthew chapter 2. Did anyone get a chance this past Monday to see the great conjunction? This is a picture that I took of it out from our, our uh, patio. Boy, the neighbor's lights really annoyed me right then, but I'll, we'll let it pass. <laughs> but yeah, these great gas giants, Jupiter and Saturn, from our view anyway, aligned to one another that it almost seemed as though they were one. A pinky's width, I think they said. And according to the NASA website, they said it's been nearly 400 years since the planets passed this close to each other in the sky and nearly 800 years since the alignment of Saturn and Jupiter occurred at night. And this alignment, as you probably are aware from the amount of stuff going all over the place, has been called the Christmas star. Why is it called that? Well, it's called that really closely related to the passage we're going to look at tonight. What could it have been? We, we sang about it, wise men followed a star, came to rest over where, the, where Jesus was. Maybe it was a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. 
Saturn, as one commentator put it, being the royal planet, and Saturn being associated with the Jews' observance of Sabbath, rest, could have been a comet, could have been a supernova. This passage says some things about the star that a star wouldn't normally do. It seems to move and stop, not just keep on moving. Maybe it's supernatural. But what's the point of this star? Why do, we, why do I bring all this up? Because we can be interested and do all sorts of great speculation and calculations of the rotations and courses of planets across the sky. We can speculate what the wise men really saw. But the mo- for the most important moment in the history of the world, we must come as the wise men did and worship the true someone that the star was there for. So, hopefully you've gotten there. Would you stand with me as we come, see, and hear the word of God this Christmas Eve? Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born, in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You can have a seat. This is the word of God. The star was not just there to see, was it? But it was, for, it was there for all to come. And not just to come, but to worship. And that's why this text is in our Bibles. This is the only spot in the Bible where these wise men show up. That's why this is here. Because God bids us, come and worship the true king. In the land of Israel, the king of kings was born, and his word calls us to come and worship him. But when the true king comes, just like the star created quite a stir, he forces the question, what will you do with the true king? Will you be a fool about him? 
Or will you be wise? See, this text presents a great contrast of responses to the true king. And we're going to look at the first one. First, we see that fools stay away from Jesus, the true king. Look at verse 2 and 3 with me. The wise men come and they say, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. The word reaches Jerusalem and Herod, and they are at wit's end. They start to panic. Why? Why would anyone panic and stay away from the true king? Why does anyone in our day not believe Jesus, the true king? Well, first, it's because they aren't the true king. We aren't the true king. Look in verse 3. When Herod the king saw this, heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. We are told in that passage, that prophecy, that there's a king who is to be born in Bethlehem who will shepherd the people of Israel. What's the conflict? There's already a king ruling Israel, isn't there? And who is this king? King Herod. Who is this guy? The one here is called Herod the Great. And he was called Herod the Great because, well, he actually did do some pretty great things for the people. He rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem, made it even bigger and grander than before. He even sacrificed some of his treasury to help people get through a famine. But there are also a few problems with Herod. Herod was not an Israelite. Historical records show that he was actually an Edomite. And if you know, do you know who the Edomites are? They are the nation that arose from, the, from Esau. Jacob, who later became Israel, his brother, from whom Jacob stole the birthright. And over and over and over again in the Old Testament, the Edomites are the enemies of Israel. So an enemy of Israel is their king. And not only that, he was installed by more enemies. He was installed as king by the Romans. So, Listen to what the wise men say in verse 2. They ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? That means the child Jesus is already the rightful king. He's already supposed to be the right claimant to the throne and have it. And when Herod or you or I are exposed as imposter kings in the spot where Jesus needs to be over all of our lives. Kings of, and queens in our own little realms, 
We show ourselves fools who want to stay away from the true king. But fools also stay away, secondly, because they like knowledge without faith. Verse 4, And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, they gave him the prophecy. So Herod asks the local religious leaders about where the Christ is to be born. And they tell him, six miles south of here, Herod, in Bethlehem of Judea. It's even written, Herod, in the Old Testament, the word of God. This should be a huge deal to these leaders. They were in the position that they were because they were supposed to teach and equip the people to be ready for the true king. And so, if you are a student of the scriptures, and I hope you all are, and you heard that, a relative, that relatively well-to-do foreigners had come from another country and were looking for the one your Bible talks about, and you knew from scripture where he was to be born, wouldn't you head to Bethlehem too? I mean, all the pieces are converging. Wouldn't you go too? But what happens in the text with them? Nothing. Nothing. They just report to Herod, and then they're out of the picture. It's as if they don't care. They had their Bibles but they didn't really act in accordance with what was in them. Especially if it came to pointing out that Jesus was the true king. And this is where we are in great danger, church, today. We in this country arguably publish, print, and distribute more Bibles than any nation in the world. That's a, that we should praise God for that. We also have roughly 15 churches in York alone. So the question for all of us is this. Will we content ourselves with mediocre or even good scriptural knowledge and refuse to act in faith with what's there? As these did. Fools stay away from the true king because they like knowledge without faith. And third, they stay away from Jesus because they are not just the true they are not just not the true king. They want to stay the fake king. Look at verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. This seems okay, doesn't it? Herod wants to bow the knee to Jesus. Or does he? See, there's something else we need to know about Herod and virtually anyone who gets into a position of power and thinks that that position is about power rather than responsibility and humble service before the true king. They don't give up power easily. Herod was also called Herod the Great because he was great in the bad sense of the word. 
As he aged in his position as king, his desire to stay king grew into paranoia. So much so that he had his own wife, his mother, as well as three of his sons and many others killed for a perceived threat on his reign. And later in Matthew, just a little bit farther down, which we're not going to get to tonight, we see that Herod uses the information that the wise men have given him to determine the age of Jesus so that he can go to Bethlehem and systematically kill every child aged two years old and younger. And as we read this, boy, we could probably say, glad I'm not like him. Yeah, we are, not as all, we are not as bad as we could be by the common grace of God. But we have all, myself included, have pretended to be kings and queens of our lives and of those around us instead of submitting to the rightful king, God himself. Apart from God's grace, we will stay in our sins and want to stay fake kings and queens. So what's our hope? What is our hope to rescue us from that? Apart from God's grace, it's that grace that is our hope. I read, as I was working through things this week, a fascinating story of a British naval admiral. Maybe you've heard of him called his... He's typically called the Lord Nelson. And the story went like this. It said he, the Lord Nelson, always treated his vanquished opponents with the greatest kindness and courtesy. After one of his naval victories, the defeated admiral was brought aboard Nelson's flagship and onto Nelson's quarterdeck. Knowing Nelson's reputation for courtesy and thinking to trade upon it, he advanced across the quarterdeck with hand outstretched as if he was advancing to shake hands with an equal. Nelson's hand remained by his side. Your sword first, he said, and then your hand. Our hope is that the true king has come, and when we surrender to him, he will not only shake our hand, he will make us into children of the living God. So come and worship this true king. Who then are those who come and worship Jesus, the true king? If we, are not, if we would not be fools, who would we be? Number two, the wise come and worship Jesus, the true king. So back all the way to verse one. Behold, wise men came from the east, and they came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. The wise come to Jesus, the true king, and worship him. So what are the marks of a true worshiper from this text? Who is, how, do we, how do we mark someone who is wise, a wise worshiper? Well, first, a wise worshiper is shown grace. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him, they said. 
How did they know it was his star? Well, we're not told in the text. But what is clear is that God made it clear to them that this was for the true king. See, when we come to faith in Christ, when we follow whatever means that come to him, when we trust him for the forgiveness of our sins, for the cleansing of all unrighteousness, for giving us new life and trusting him for the Holy Spirit to live that new life in him, we need to know that God has already been at work. You and I weren't even a blip on the cosmic radar when God, as Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, predestined, which would mean joyfully chose to show us grace for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. They were shown grace to where the true king was. They couldn't say, star, show up. No. We are shown grace to come and worship Jesus. Secondly, a wise worshiper trusts the word of God. Verse 6, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. Did you hear that? Even though the location of where Jesus would be born was given through an imposter king, it is still the word of God. And wise men trusted that word. The Apostle Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1 that he, Peter, and James and John got to see Jesus transfigured on the mountainside where he was shown in his full glory. Talk about something by which to believe Jesus. That's better than a star. But Peter goes on in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 19 through 21. He says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you would do well to pay attention to as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That means a wise worshiper should trust the word of God as these wise worshipers did. And when we do, thirdly, a wise worshiper's faith is vindicated. Look at verse 9 again. They went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. You see what they did? They acted in faith that God had shown them grace. They trusted his word, and what happened? They were vindicated in that faith. 
That same grace, the star, went before them and pointed out where Jesus was. And when they saw it, what what does it say? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were, one commentator said, deliriously happy. Why? Because God is real. His promises are true. Because he does not lead those who walk in faith ultimately to a worthless trash pit, but to his son. To the presence of God in the flesh who has blessing upon blessing upon blessing of salvation for all of us who believe him. We haven't finished yet. Knowing where Jesus, knowing where Jesus is, is not enough. <laughs> it's great to know where he is, isn't it? But knowing where he is is not enough. A worshiper's faith is vindicated, and fourthly, a wise worshiper actually worships. Verse 11, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The star gave them great joy, but beholding Jesus, they fell on their faces and worshipped. In one sense, this was respectful homage to a national leader, but so much more. This was God in the flesh. They came into the house and they looked at God in the flesh. And they brought him gifts befitting of a king. Gold, the metal of kings, as it has been said. Frankincense, the incense of priestly worship. And myrrh, the aromatic spice that often accompanied death and suffering in those days. And Jesus surely underwent both in his journey to the cross and the grave. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? In one sense, they didn't get it totally right. But the fact that they were there shows that they did. Because they called him the king of the Jews. But their worshiping showed that he was what scripture says of him, king of kings and lord of lords. King of the Jews and of the Gentiles. And Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 7 alludes to this when it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around, and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall come to you, young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. 
All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. A wise worshiper actually worships. The wise come and worship the Jesus, the true king. So come. Come and worship the true king. We can have a star. We have the word of God. We have a bad example of fools in power. We have a good example of those who are wise. But you know what? We will miss the greatest conjunction of all. God entering the world as a baby boy who grew into a man who aligned himself upon a cross to rescue us from our sinful folly forever and who has risen from the dead as the bright morning star, the firstborn among many brothers and sisters of whom we might be by grace through faith, trusting him coming to him. But we will miss it if we do not come and worship the true king. So this is the call for all of us. This is the call, whether you are the imposter king, whether you are the inactive priests and scribes just sitting on their knowledge, or whether you are the teenage girl, Mary, who was almost divorced by her betrothed because she thought because he thought she was sleeping around on him whether you have done great things like Herod the Great or foolish things like Herod the Great whether you make a lot of money or don't have 2 cents to your name whether you have gifts like the wise men or nothing but the sin that made his coming necessary whether you have this skin color made by the Creator God, or whether you have some other beautiful hue also made by the Creator God, whether this Christmas season has been full of laughter and joy and peace, or this Christmas season has been filled with way too much drama, sorrows, fears, one crisis after another, Jesus bids us come. Come. Come and worship the true King. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess that you are the true King. And Lord, I confess. I confess with my brothers and sisters here tonight that there are times in our lives where we still try to get back on the throne. Thank you, Lord, that that didn't stop you from coming. In fact, that was the reason you came. To be seated on the throne. The throne, not just of our lives, but of that throne the whole universe, heaven above and earth beneath. Lord Jesus, 
We pray for those who have not surrendered to you. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would work grace in their lives, that they would open the hand that clings so tightly to try to control things, and they're losing control even as they tighten their hands. Open their hand, Lord, so that they may feel the holes in your wrists and the gash in your side. That you, God Almighty, humbled himself, becoming obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. Because, Lord, we on this side do not merely celebrate your birth. We celebrate everything that that birth accomplished. And it is a celebration, Lord, for you have worked what no one else could. You have worked salvation. And you have worked the already, the beginning of the renewal of all things and the not yet, the full consummation of all things. When you come back, Lord, please, fill our hearts with peace tonight and also with hope. For you are a God who did not stay away and you are a God who will not forever stay away. And in fact, you are Emmanuel, God, with us and you are with us by your Holy Spirit even now. Help us to worship you. Help us to worship you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name.